Hey guys. Okay, we're getting into some of the heavy of the Revy. And um, we're going to start in Revelation chapter 6. I've been waiting to get to these things because uh, some of the, the largest revelation as far as the end of the age and our role and, you know, the Antichrist and, and what the Lord is up to um, really kicks up. It really ramps up. So we have the lamb that is able to open the scroll and, excuse me, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8 because I want to get the context of the seals and then we're going to spend, spend a lot of time in Matthew 24. So it says, as I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals um, on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, come. I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, come. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was a war, and slaughter was everywhere. When the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come. I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings saying, A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. And don't waste the olive oil and wine. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, Come. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave, or in the Greek that's Hades. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. Okay, so the word lamb here is... Arneon, and originally it was like a little lamb, and it says um, in John twenty one fifteen, this word is used of young believers, but in twenty nine times in Revelation, it is the title of the exalted Christ. Arneon is in direct contrast to the beast. The beast is savage, cruel, hostile, and destructive. By contradistinction, our Lord as a lamb is gentle, compassionate, and loving, and kind, innocently suffering, and dying to atone for our sins. In Revelation, the lion and the lamb combine the two elements of majesty and meekness. Okay, so that's why, well, and I also believe that, again, only the lamb of God, who was God as man could have the legal authority to carry out the opening of the seals and the judgments that are coming on the earth. Okay, so now the seal, uh, where it says that he broke the first of the seven seals. The word seal was a wax impression, like on a signet ring, um, where they would they would seal the seal with that wax impression. Um, for privacy and security, but it was also a guarantee 
that was that what was inside the sealed scroll was authentic. It was genuine. So it was a guarantee of something's genuineness. Now, the contents that are sealed up, they're being handed from the Father to the Son. So that tells us that the contents are of the Father. They're in possession of the Father. And then Jesus stepped up to the throne. He took the scroll from the Father's hand and he opened the scroll again as God-man who has the authority in heaven and earth to do so. But also remember Jesus told the disciples he doesn't know when all these things are going to happen. Only the Father knows those things. So at this moment, like we talked about last week, the court has been called into session. And um, Jesus is stepping forward to uh, unlock everything. Okay. Now, um, that is in Matthew 24, 36, where it says, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven um, or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Okay, hang on one moment. Let's check something out here. Let's see. Oh, that's neat. You can do scrolls and stuff like that. Wow. Okay, I just dropped you guys. Sorry about that. Okay. I wanted to make sure that I was on. I have so many clients, and I wanted to make sure that I was on my page because I just had this horrifying thought that I'm teaching about Revelation on one of my clients' pages because I didn't check that, you know? And so it'd be like, hey, Sherry, you know? Uh, Revelation's not really the brand we're going for. So, okay. Anyway, I think we're good. Okay. So the, the seals are one step closer to the return of the Lord. But I personally believe they sound like birth pangs. So let's look at that. In Matthew chapter 24, because when I was studying Revelation, I'm like, man, this, this sounds an awful lot like the birth pangs. So let's compare. We're going to start in verse 6 in Matthew chapter 24. Okay. So it says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Okay, so here we have the white horse and the rider of war. So the first horse is clearly war. A crown is placed on his head, which is a symbol of victory, an honor or a badge of high office, okay? If this is one person riding the horse, it can be referring to a ruler attempting to be a world ruler through war. But if it's symbolic of international politics and military conquest, then it's a more generalized war and rumor of war situation which lines up with the Matthew. So I actually think that best fits what this uh, first seal is representing. And then the word 
uh, or the phrase win many battles in the Greek is a word that means subdue. Okay, then the second one is the red horse and the rider. So this horse is another war horse, but it's in the sense of civil unrest, violence, crime, and then division between and within cities, states, and nations. So the word war for this horse is to slaughter, kill, and slay. So we've got international war, rumor, rumors of war, as well as civil unrest and violence everywhere. Well, if you look at the word nation in verse 7 in Matthew 24, it's ethnic group. So again, these can fit as some birth pain, pains as well. The black horse, this is the famines part. Uh, so the, the food staples that are needed for survival. It will be so scarce that it will take a day's wage to buy a loaf of bread. But the horse and the rider are not allowed to touch the oil and the wine, uh, uh, the olive oil. So the word waste in the Greek means to hurt or to harm with the implication of doing something wrong or undeserved. So the idea that when Jesus referred to wine or he multiplied wine or the use of wine in the Bible that's unfermented grape juice, there's no evidence to support that, by the way. But there is evidence that wine is referring to fermented wine. So God is saying, don't touch the olive oil, don't touch the fermented wine. So the next one, man, guys, it's like I sat down and my nose is running. Hang on one second. Has anybody else been having this issue? It's like, man, you know, I'm not a three-year-old. Um, by the way, I'm like in my house by myself. That is so rare. I just don't know what to do with myself. Okay. The pale green horse. So the color of the horse is like a pale greenish gray, the typical color of a corpse, a symbol of death. The word death is, quote, a widespread contagious disease often associated with divine retribution, plague or pestilence. In the New Living Translation, they remove the word pestilence, but it's in the New King James Version, which is irritating. But it says there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places in Matthew 24. So pestilence is definitely involved, and I don't know why they removed it. So death Death's companion, or what follows after this horse rides through throughout the nations, is the grave. So it's apparent that these two aren't just pestilence because they're given authority to kill one-fourth of the earth with sword, hunger, death, and even wild animal attacks. So there's going to, like, death is going to be unleashed. And, of course, we see that um, in Matthew 24. So the fact that Jesus is telling us that these are the beginning of the birth pangs, the idea is that the birth contractions will be intense, but once the baby or the return of the Lord is born, we're not going to remember all that, okay? So it's going to be intense, but it's going to be worth it. Now, the word authority, which I think is back in Revelation. So let me get back over there. Okay, so it says, 
They were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and pestilence and wild animals. Okay, so the word authority is very important. A lot of people think that God kills people. But James tells us that he dwells in unapproachable light. He's completely good. There's nothing evil in him. But we do know that God judges people and sometimes his sentence is death. So think about it this way. If you do a citizen's arrest, if you capture someone that, say, has committed murder, and you then call the police and say, I have an individual here that has committed murder, and I need you to come pick him up. So they go out of your jurisdiction, and they go into the jurisdiction of the police, who then transfer that person over to the jurisdiction of the county or city jail, and then they go before a court, and the judge issues the sentence. That person is then delivered over to the people who will execute that sentence. So if it's a death penalty case, they will be handed over to uh, the death death row. If it's, um, say, a prison sentence or, or a life prison sentence, they'll be handed over to that facility that will carry out that sentence. It's the same thing with God. He does not have death in him. So when a, a judgment of death comes forth, that person is handed over to the authority or the jurisdiction of death and the grave or Hades uh, and death, okay? It's very important to understand that because people blame God for killing people when he doesn't have death in him. That would be impossible. But as judgment for sin, he will hand someone over. If we understand that if someone dies of a disease or a car wreck or whatever, that that was not God's will, that he did not do it, it would, it would help so many people. Because I think a lot of Christians get picked off in death that didn't have to die because we don't understand what I just taught you. So if there's anything you get tonight, it is what I just taught you. So if you did not get that, you need to rewind and uh, to the authority uh, part. So the word authority is, quote, the domain or sphere over which one has authority to control or rule or jurisdiction. So all authority has been given to heaven and uh, to Jesus in heaven and earth. That tells me that the, the riders of the four horses are given authority temporarily, jurisdiction to carry out their role, their purpose. Okay? So they can exert enough pain in the earth with the purpose of people hopefully repenting and turning to the Lord during these birth pangs, if that makes sense. Okay, um, that's why in, uh, I think it's second, uh, no, First Corinthians chapter 5, I believe, where Paul says to turn over a believer who refuses to quit sleeping with his stepmom or his, uh, I think it was his stepmom, um, to turn that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Why would they have to be turned over if God kills people, right? So the judgment is to turn them over to the one who has jurisdiction of death, and that's the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The judgment comes from God 
the execution of the sentence is done by the uh, enemy, the spirit of death, etc. Okay, so that's that's very important to understand. Um, so God has no death in them, in him, therefore one has to be turned over to the enemy for death and destruction. So the horses are given authority for a time to bring about the purposes of God. But also a lot of the stuff that we're going to go through is man-made, much like COVID being an example of man-made. Okay, so we've got the horses. Now let's go to verse 9. When the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, Holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Then the, a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them. Okay, this is a parallel with Matthew uh, chapter 24 as well. So let's get back over there. Listen to this. Um... This is, it starts in verse 9. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over for the world, all over the world, because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Okay, so we're still in these birth pangs. And during the inter intense persecution, a lot of people are going to turn from the Lord to save their own skin. They'll betray the people that don't. Um, they'll betray each other. At the height of all of this, false prophets will arise. They'll appear out of nowhere. They'll deceive a lot of people. And they will say that Jesus is the Christ. They'll probably say that they are, but they will also say that he is to give credence to their deception, to get as many people to follow them as possible. Um, they'll also say, well, Christ is here. Christ is over here in, in the desert. And he's saying, don't believe them. But it says that the hearts or the love of many will grow cold. This can only refer to believers. Because the word used there for love is agape. Only Christians are given agape. In Romans 5, 5, it says that when we're born again, spirit-filled, the love of God is poured out in our hearts. That word love is agape. So agape is God love. It's, an, it's a verb noun, actually, in the Greek. And it was a word that did not exist until the, the apostles made it up. And so agape is only from God only in his people. So the savagery, the betrayal, the deception of the times will cause the love of many Christians to grow cold. But the one that endures, and the implication is enduring by being about the Father's business of preaching the good news of the kingdom to the nations, will be saved. The Greek word for saved is divine salvation or sozo. So the implication is those that are deceived will turn from him because their, their love will grow cold. Okay, so with that being said, let's get back over to the seals. So in verse 12, it says, I watched as the lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, 
Now this is a shift here. The sun became as dark as black cloth and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was scroll rolled up like a scroll and all the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll keep going a little bit longer. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the day of their wrath has come and who is able to survive. Now notice the other seals were not considered his wrath. It's when the sixth seal is broken and the sun is darkened, the blood, the moon looks like blood, that now the people who don't know him are hiding from him because they know that he is returning and the day of his wrath has come. Okay, now this is very, very important. Now, if we go back to our text in Matthew 24, verse 15, listen to this. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes destruction, standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person on the deck of a roof must not go down to the, into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for the pregnant woman and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Okay, so I, I, we're not going to get into the desolation of um, the abomination of desolation in this one. But notice that we've got the birth pangs and then we have this abomination of desolation. So between the seals and the, the, the blood moon and the sun, something happens that causes things to shift. And we'll get into that next week. Uh, but I just wanted to read that. Wanted to you know, show you the seals. So you, show you that they're possibly the birth pains. And now we're getting into the Antichrist situation that's going on. Okay. So between the fifth and the sixth seal. I believe this occurs. Um, but anyway. Or it's simultaneous. But we'll, we'll get to that next week. Um, I just wanted to get started on some of the heavy of the heavy revy. So I'm so proud of myself. I mean, you know, guys, I there's been like two or three weeks that I have not been able to do the urgent education. I was able to get that done Monday. I was able to get our heavy revy done today. I'm just so excited. So excited. So um, anyway, I will see you guys next week since I got both of these done. And I think I'm figuring out when my schedule works best, best for the urgent education. So Hopefully, I'll be on track with that. But um, don't fear. Don't be scared. We are protected. We're not appointed to wrath. So we don't have to fear what we see in the book of Revelation. Okay? So we don't have to fear that. 
But we do have to know what's coming because like my good friend, Coach Greg says, you don't rise to the level of, uh, you, listen, you don't rise to opportunity, you rise to the level of preparation. And when the Bible talks more about the end of the age than any other topic, I think it deserves our attention. All right, I've not had dinner, so I'm going to go have some food and do a couple uh, things before I go to bed. And um, I hope you guys have a good night, and I will see you next week.